And, and I had to overcome perfectionism because goal orientation tends to lead to, at least for some of us, me, lead to perfectionism. Because we can never really, even when we reach the goal, we don't get the result. We don't get the feeling we want. Right. So then we think, well, if only it's better. Welcome to Thriving Lawyers Podcast. My name is Michael Kahn. And today we are very fortunate to have someone who I work with and someone who is a good friend, Derek Lacroix. He is the executive director of LAPBC, the Lawyers Assistance Program of British Columbia. Derek, thanks for setting aside time today. I know you've got plenty of clients that you could be seeing in this time period, so I appreciate it. Great. Well, thanks for having me. This is great. A very, I think, key, important issue of our time. Thank you. Great. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. So why don't we just start out, Derek? I know I, I shared your name tag, but uh, I want you to, to expand on that a little bit and say a little bit more about who you are and what you do for LAPBC. Yeah, well, let's see. I'm the executive director, um, and we're here to um, provide services to help and assist all members of the legal community who are in some form of distress. And it since I am a lawyer as well as a counselor, and we have other people who are lawyers and counselors, and we have a lot of volunteers, we can cover a pretty broad range of what that means in terms of very practical assistance with law practice things or even legal issues, and of course, the more traditional. I work with a lot of people who have substance use disorders or other addictions and or mood disorders, so sort of a spectrum of what we do to help. And, you know, just a little of my background, I uh, practiced law for 18 years, 19 counting uh, articles, which we do in Canada. So 19 years, I prosecuted for three, but mostly a criminal defense lawyer and still to somewhat a criminal defense lawyer at heart. So since I was a little kid, I wanted to help people. And then um, as a result, I mean, at one point, partway into my career, I got uh, my substance use and anxiety problems took over. And so I treatment and recovery and I'm still have dedicated my life to personal and spiritual growth. And over time, I just morphed into building the lawyer's assistance program. And there was a little outreach, AA outreach before, and then I, I was the first time person that now there's, I think, eight of us working here, and um, it's kind of a life mission for me because <laughs> I love the legal profession. I believe in it. I believe in lawyers, and I tell people, you know, that Plato would call it justice, truth, and beauty as the key cornerstones. But also, you know, law is really exterior social way of mediating, regulating the natural tendency between the individual and society whether it's a bigger society or a corporate society. It's, there's always a tension between them. Actually, Freud wrote about it in his book, Civilizations and Discontent. Yeah, we have to learn to get along with each other. It's a personal individual thing. And that's really what, as counselors, we try to help individuals be able to walk that path. But as lawyers in the legal profession, it's about how do we create systems that max that really make that work? You said a lot there, and, and let me say, I know Derek because I, I moved to Vancouver about six years ago, and I think I reached out to you pretty early on and started doing grief groups for uh, for you, and, and uh, now I guess for the last ooh, eight months, maybe seven, eight months, I'm, I'm actually doing some, some counseling, seeing some of the lawyers coming in with uh, various issues that you, that you mentioned, and I'm really enjoying it. 
what I what I heard from you, Derek, is that you first of all you enjoyed being a lawyer. You always have seen yourself in a in a position of helping. And what I all what what I also heard you say is that you you believe in the law. You believe in what lawyers do, and you believe that they they fill a very important role in our society. Absolutely. Yeah, and and it can be really rich and rewarding. You ended your answer by saying, and and in order to be most helpful and most beneficial for society, we need to have healthy lawyers. Yes. We call this podcast Thriving Lawyers Podcast, and we can get into the lawyers, plural, in a moment. Uh, We were very intentional of calling it Thriving Lawyers, not Thriving Lawyer. But would you mind giving us your definition of what a thriving lawyer is? How would you define that? And how does that definition resonate with you personally, both now and you can also go back to earlier in your story? Well, I'll give a couple of answers, I suppose. One is from the uh, the National Mm -hmm. Task Force on Lawyer Wellbeing, Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. define lawyer well-being as the being a continuous process in which the lawyers strive for thriving in each dimension of their life. And my interpretation of that is basically lawyers being fully themselves, developing the awareness to be fully themselves and in process as opposed to setting goals. So mm-hmm. you know, when in all dimensions of their life, they make goals, they have maybe aspirations, but then they just be in a process. And, you know, from positive psychology, I kind of like theirs, they talk about happiness research, which is kind of weird because what they're really talking about is well-being, the subjective term. And it really is a global positive evaluation of a person's life as, as a whole. How is the person relating to their life? Are they balanced in it in terms of internally, what they think, but also do they have meaning and purpose, which is one of the things that's just really important to me, working with people around that area of meaning. Right. And just back to something you said, there is a difference between process and goal. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. By what you mean by that? Well, and I think this is really important for, among other things, I think it's one of the things that contributes to some, some of the real problems that are seen in the legal profession. Goal orientation is where you just set something Here's what I need to do. Here's the outcome I need. And I'm going to do what I need to do to get that outcome. Whereas process is saying, here's what I want. And it can look a lot like an outcome, but here's here's the kind of person I want to be, or here's how I want my life to be in this area. But instead of making that a goal, we say, okay, what are the kinds of things that go into making that? And then just doing whatever's there that moves you in that direction. What would be a process that uh, you have been working on for yourself? Let's see, an internal process, a simple one, would be starting the day with a brief meditation. Mm -hmm. And just, so I just do that. And actually, one of the things I do is I make my bed mindfully, or I call it honoring the mundane. So take two to five minutes to make my bed in the most mindful, present way I can. So I'm developing the attitude of being present and the experience of being present. By doing that, what actually also happened is learning to control my thinking and also learning to just be, to do, not not to be judging everything that I do as good or bad or worthwhile or not worthwhile. I used to suffer from big shotism. So mm-hmm. if I was doing a trial, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm there. But if I'm making my bed, that was a kind of a 
aggravation to get over. So I was always. But instead of instead of looking at it as an aggravation, aggravation, you're looking at it as this is an experience to, to to pay attention to. Yes, this is what I'm doing, and I'll do it as well as I can. So developing that ability, a desire to do whatever I'm doing as well as I can, and that's not perfectly. And and I had to overcome perfectionism because goal orientation tends to lead to, at least for some of us, me lead to perfectionism because we can never really even when we reach the goal we don't get the result we don't get the feeling we want right so then we think well if only it was better so are you saying derek that big so big shotism which i i've never heard of that before but i think i can figure out what you mean are you saying that that some of us tend to focus more on just the big stuff yes have the stuff where we're being, we're the center of attention, or we're doing something that's going to bring in big bucks or something like that. Yes. Something, so we're value, always valuing what we're doing. So we become just a, a doer who has value or not value, depending on what we're doing. Kind of extrinsically mm-hmm. motivated. And, you know, one of the keys to, uh, in happiness research or well-being research, one of the keys to a sense of well-being and a living a life where you're thriving is intrinsic or internal motivation, where you're doing what's yours to do. And one of the problems that happens among lawyers, and it starts in law school, is a draw to extrinsic motivation, to competition, to comparison, to money, to prestige, to those things. And and that's and that's a more tenuous place to be because you don't have as much control over the extrinsic stuff as you do the intrinsic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not nourishing to the sense of meaning and purpose generally. Some people it could, but for most of us it didn't. So, uh, you know, I'm going to give another example. I've got a couple of friends who are my vintage. So they've been practicing for 45 years. They're 70 years old. And the re- and I've known these since, well, one since we were 15, the other since first year university, like not law school, university. And both of them are the same. They always were you know, just doing, I'll call it the process of going to school. So, you know, I give an example, one was in my first year, you know, a little first year class, we were all together and we'd have class from eight to nine and then 10 to 11 at different times during the day. And in that hour period, they'd want this person would go to a library, actually with a friend, but go to the library and study for an hour, three quarters of an hour, and then go to the next class and at the end of the day, go home. And my other friend, you know, we do much the same, but we would be in a fraternity and have dinner and do this. And then there'd be a break between dinner party started, he'd just go off and study for an hour or two. And they've both done that all their careers. And they're remarkably successful. Like, we're not talking average good lawyers. They're, like, by all standards acclaimed as among the best. They just have the process of doing their work. And so they both do trials. So doing a trial is just a process. And then so when they walk into court, they're ready to go. And for the first half of my career, it was always a goal. So I was always... It didn't matter. Like, there was no process. There was just trying to overwhelm it with effort. And, mm-hmm. and in that case, everything, if, you know, it all came down to how well did this turn out? How well, did, not necessarily winning or losing, but did I look good? Did I yeah. Pats on the back. Whereas right. for, for them, it's just every moment is its own thing. I had a breakdown at about 11 years. Had to regroup because it just got too tiring. So that I had the experience of learning how to prepare and do trials as a process. So it can be learned. I want to tell people it can be learned, 
but a lot most people who are doing it so a lot of these really thriving healthy lawyers just grew up that way they they can't even explain how they do it they parent parenting and they work work you know i mean it's <laughs> some of us have the blessing of having had to learn how to do it so what would be the if there was one piece of wisdom that you would share to other lawyers based on those two friends that you have what would it be for many of us we didn't learn early on how to be that way what well, what would be one important shift the lawyer would need to make to uh, be like those two be in the present moment like yeah do, do what your mindfulness right there yeah call it mindfulness another word, word i like is be connected these people are connected to their work when they're doing it mm-hmm. they're not just mm-hmm. going through and they're not overwhelmed by their left brain intellect which are which is pretty good and big but they're expressions of their whole self mm-hmm. now i will also say that both of them are lawyers their calling must be lawyers they have meaning in it they right. know, the meaning of helping the importance of the legal profession helping volunteering and other aspects is all natural to them we've talked about thriving many lawyers are not and you're you're in Vancouver Canada but you you have plenty of interactions with US lawyers right oh yeah do you feel that there's any real difference between Canadian and US lawyers when it comes to thriving or or the challenges of thriving or do you think it's pretty they're pretty common challenges from both countries i think they're pretty common challenges i mean i also i did get called to the bar in Oregon and i was in business ah. but still i'm a lawyer i was a lawyer i am a lawyer in Oregon well mm-hmm. and um, you know I was connected through the business I was in with lawyers and I mean there are some differences in the sense of the US is more litigious and which you know people are more likely to sue and stuff like that but because no I don't think there is a huge difference right but are there other challenges that you see lawyers have as far as just thriving in their practice whatever the practice looks like because that same task force report that you you mentioned earlier said that many lawyers are not thriving and it's not that every lawyer is having now now certainly lawyers are as a as a profession are having larger issues around substance use whether it be alcohol or drugs for sure but there's a large group of lawyers who are not having those issues and are still not thriving right so what do you think is leading to either individually or systemically leading to this this larger problem i really think um I'm going to call it a spirit it's a spiritual issue meaning and, and values and stuff or another way of putting it is and the research seems to back this up lawyers have, a lot of them particularly the ones who get into difficulty but it's huge it's very big and it starts in law school is shift from intrinsic motivation to extrinsic and and one of the saddest things in the research from I think it's Florida State Krager and Sheldon in research and going into law school studied a whole bunch of measured a whole bunch of things among law students i think it's nursing students and masters students going into the first year and they were relatively the same except for lawyers the law students were significantly higher on altruism and community service which is exactly what i expect because that's really what law is about at and this is compared to and this is compared to whom other yeah, nursing other students, students and nurse. masters i think okay i think those were the okay. other two Okay. And uh, by the end of first year, the stress levels and the, all the, the negative health factors were astronomically higher for law students. Hmm. But one of the things that really that really broke my heart was that 
altruism and community service have gone down, actually down below the others. And, you know, sort of anecdotally or, anecdotally or clinically, I would say a lot of the distressed younger lawyers in particular, or even older lawyers who've come in, it's like, you know, I went into this to help people and I'm really not. Like, it's, there's no, there's like no sense that it's the importance of being a lawyer. And it's hard work to be a lawyer in many respects. I mean, it's demanding. But for those who, and this getting back to my friends or even me when I was practicing, for those that find meaning in it, the hard work is invigorating. But if you don't have any meaning, it's just sloppy. And that's interesting, you know, Derek, sorry for interrupting you, but there's um, new research. Have you heard of the book, The Upside of Stress? Yes. By uh, Kelly McGonigal, psychologist? That's right, yeah. But um, one of the exercises she says is one of the the most helpful exercises you can do to um, make stress your friend is to do an exercise where you are writing about a value that's important to you Mm -hmm. and writing about how your, whatever you're stressed about, how your work fits into that, those values or that value. And by journaling about that and putting it in that context, it reduces the negative, harmful impact of stress because you're, you're now looking at it from the lens of, wow, this is why I'm doing this because of whatever it is, because of, integrity yep. or because of I want to help people or whatever it is, then you, you're able to stress. The stress, you don't get rid of the stress, but you're able to see that this is why I'm, I'm feeling the stress because it's in the context of what's important to me. Right. And it becomes rocket fuel as opposed to a, that's right. a weight. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, that's why I call it a kind of a spiritual crisis of mm-hmm. um, the healthy lawyers that I know believe in what they're doing and they get that from it and um you know the phrase that comes to me because you know, i mean there's lots of distress among lawyers you know the, the statistics around substance use and and anxiety and depression which are shocking but the other one that really breaks my heart again is when i go around and i i look around at even at the courthouse or in i walk around law firms and i'll, I'll see what i am <laughs> taking directly from thoreau most people living lives of quiet desperation. They're not like collapsing. They're just unhappy. They're, I mean, mm-hmm. not even unhappy. I mean, they're unhappy, but they're just sort of there doing right. it. And a lot, a lot have so many options and there's so much good going. It's so useful that that's a shame. Like they're missing out. I, I, I personally know because I, I ran into it one time. I, I, have about six months maximum doing work that I doesn't have any real meaning to me that I don't really want to do, and then I just run out of steam because <laughs> it's like. So you say you've got you've got six months where you can do something that doesn't have meaning to you, and then it's you're, you're done. Yeah, and I'm done. Now others, I mean, I see people come in all the time. We've been at it for several years. Uh, again, one of the external problems is huge law school debt, so they. Mm-hmm feel they can't move to something less lucrative. Then they get caught up in the system. And this is from the external point of view. One of the things I think I really talk about, and I've got to be more vocal maybe, is the whole way that law has evolved into a business where billing targets and the billable hour has become the measure, which I think is counter to being a professional. Because a professional 
professional is somebody, you know, your profession. You, you're used doing your profession is the reward. Helping the people doing, being professional in your approach is the reward and money can come with it. There's nothing. I'm not talking poverty. I'm talking about a, a different orientation and internal. I'm helping this person because this is what I do. Like I, and I, I, you know, people ask, how could you be a criminal defense lawyer and defend these criminals? Well, because I believe, and I still do, I believe strongly that police and prosecutors and government has to be held accountable. They have to be held to mind their P's and Q's, like to, right. to go through the proper hoops, and then everything's better. And you have to you have to have the lawyers on both sides to make the system work. Right? Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I do remember that what. The really good policemen, the ones who, who are really good, if they got caught out or they'd done something, they're caught out on cross-examination or something, they actually didn't hold it against the lawyer. They might, might be embarrassed or they might go, oh, wow, okay, I'll do that better next time. Mm-hmm. So they kept getting better. That is the end of part one of my discussion with Derek Lacroix. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Thriving Lawyers podcast to listen to the rest of my discussion with Derek. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thriving Lawyers podcast. We love hearing from our loyal listeners, so please feel free to email us any questions, comments, suggested topics, or guest recommendations at the following address, feedback at thrivinglawyerspodcast.com. Thriving Lawyers Podcast is brought to you by Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences, a national provider of continuing legal education and professional development programs that leave participants engaged, encouraged, and equipped to pursue meaningful and sustainable change in their practices, their lives, and the organizations they work in. And by Osborne Conflict Resolution, your experienced guides through the uncharted terrain of business and family law disputes based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Thriving Lawyers Podcast.